It's a privilege to be here, and it's a pleasure to be in your midst, standing in the pulpit. Uh, the view is just a little different over here than it is down yonder, but uh, both views are wonderful, and the, to be able to serve here, serve the Lord in this place, is truly a blessing. And I know that this coming week, the, the Mission Festival is one of my favorite weeks of the year, uh, and it, it's a, a place that we get to meet and we get to greet the missionaries that uh, gather here to celebrate those who truly go into all the world, bringing the good news of Christ, and celebrating as well the fact that we get to be part of it through our, our financial support, through the, the prayer support that we can give, through the relationships that we build and maintain with these friends who go out and through the many short-term mission teams that our church sends, and I've had the privilege of being on several of those teams that go out. It's always a thrill to get a, a, a taste of the global impact that we're able to have as a community of believers. Now, equally as exciting is what we just witnessed a little while ago with the dedication of the fruits of our Through All Generations campaign, our renovated worship space, the beautiful Trinity windows, and, and the new Discovery Center. In fact, at the two previous services, if you didn't catch that, we saw evidence of the impact of these changes in the musical and the children performed at 8.30 and 10, and I got to sit and enjoy the fruits of their creative efforts. Ringing loud and clear was this message that we have a treasure which is Christ in us, the hope of glory. And that we, who are God's dearly beloved, are considered a treasure by the God who made us, Christ who redeemed us, and the Holy Spirit who leads us and guides us through this life that we live here on earth and on into glory. So today as we come to God's word, I want to look at the first letter that Peter wrote Peter, the rock on whom Jesus would, would build his church. And he takes this notion of the treasure and he stresses it in the opening verses. And we're going to use a, a, a slightly different passage than it's printed in your worship folder. And I would just like to read for you for a second. From the beginning of chapter 1, it says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. An inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. What a treasure. Well, it isn't long after you read those words that there, we come to a, a therefore and whenever we see a therefore in Scripture, we know that something's going to be expected of us. We're coming up to some suggestion as to what this means for us and what we're to do to us. And this therefore that we'll begin re is where we're going to begin reading responsively from Scripture. So I'd like you to turn either in your pew Bibles or if you look up on the window to 1 Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 13. In your pew Bibles, that's page 1887. And we're going to read this responsively. Therefore... Prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. But just as he who calls you is holy, so be holy in all you do. 
Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Through him, you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. But the word of the Lord stands forever. May God bless the reading of his holy word. So we find ourselves here today in what could be considered an interesting place between this time of special dedication through all generations, Psalm 89, and looking toward our mission festival, Into All the World, the mission for the mind, Matthew 28. But the more I've thought about it, the more I'm convinced that the two of them are definitely related. Last week, Dan and I got to attend the inauguration of Alistair Brown as the new president of Northern Seminary in nearby Lombard, the school that I've been happy to attend these past six years. He rightly reminded us that the world we live in today, especially here in America, looks a whole lot like the world that Peter was speaking into back in 62 to 64 A.D., Back then, like today, spirituality ran rampant. There was spirituality everywhere. There were gods for this and gods for that. And, and even famous artists, athletes, and aristocrats were highly overpaid and, and made into gods themselves and were worshipped, adored, and, and people would base their lives upon the words from these people's lips. Does that sound familiar? I mean, I'm sure that certain celebrities even had their own parchment clubs. Now, fast forward to 2009, and the news agencies today are reporting record numbers of people who claim to have spirituality of some sort, but the number of people who identify themselves as Christian is diminishing. And you've probably noticed that the the world out there doesn't seem to embrace the signs and symbols of the Christian faith as readily as they used to. Just try to holler out Merry Christmas instead of Happy Holidays at a community tree lighting somewhere. Add to to it the massive impact that the marketing industry has on our society and the uncertainty of these economic times Dan spoke of earlier. And it's easy to understand how one might struggle to find their identity or to find someone or something to hold on to or have a hope in. Simply put, it can be tough out there, right in our own backyard. And so, as Alistair Brown reminded us, going into all the world can mean for some of us that our own backyard is the mission field, where our own backyard is a place that could use some hope and some good news. 
Our own backyard is a place that, that needs to know that there is a treasure that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Which is why a day like today is a good thing. When we can dedicate to the glory of God and for his good purposes, a facility that opens up new possibilities and new opportunities to touch people with his love and plant in them the seed of hope contained in the knowledge of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But I have to tell you that this also comes with a word of caution ringing in my ears from the book of Psalms. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord builds the house, its laborers build in vain. To me, that says that there's so much more than the bricks and the mortar. There's so much more than simply being able to stand back and say that we have these wonderful new facilities. In fact, the bricks and the mortar, the, the shards of glass, the leaf-shaped platforms, the lighting fixtures, the new nurseries, they're all just the setting for the amazing possibilities of what God can do through his faithful people and through his Holy Spirit. And what happens when we're gathered here in this place simply prepares us and recharges us to go out there in the world right where we live, right where we live our lives, to be salt and light, to be hope for the hopeless, to share the treasure. So going into all the world and through all generations end up being complementary circles of influence requiring each of us, whether we're parents or not, whether we have family here in this place or, or somewhere else in the country or in the world, to take seriously our own center of influence, requiring each of us from the very youngest to the very oldest to recognize the treasure. Because this treasure is meant to be shared from the very youngest to the very oldest. That's where this therefore comes in that Peter speaks to us of. Peter understood that trying to live a godly life was difficult for those early Christians who were themselves scattered about, being persecuted for their faith by the culture around them while, while striving to raise their families to follow Jesus. And so he wrote to us, yes, he wrote to us to encourage us, to urge us on, and to call us to a better way. And what did he say? He said, Prepare your minds for action. It's the same kind of instruction that was given to those who gathered for the very first Passover. Gird your loins. Get ready. Be ready to go. God's got a plan, but you've got to be ready to hear his voice. Live in a way that leaves you ready and open and available. Perhaps in our context... At least I know for me, it can be accomplished through perhaps the spiritual disciplines of solitude and silence. These two are, are quite frankly, the hardest di disciplines for me personally, being the, the hyper type that I am. But I've found with great difficulty that if I get in the habit of regularly tuning out the noise of daily life, I can find myself available and more prepared. Peter says, be self-controlled. 
Easier said than done. Rather than being controlled by the outside forces, by the media, the slick marketing, or or knee-jerk reactions, rely on the sense of what is right that comes from knowing Christ and walking in his ways. Psalm 1 says, Blessed are those who do not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take. Where we are on our journey toward Christ-likeness will affect the way we choose to respond to others and to situations and to the influence of evil. There's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. So on the practical level, for me, talking through these things with trusted others is really helpful. Finding someone who's farther along the journey than me to be a mentor or a spiritual director is, is an effective way to achieve this. Or perhaps a discipleship triad or quad, a covenantal place that you can gather in confidence to speak about your lives where you know it's safe, where you know there's prayer. Peter says, do not conform to the evil desires of the world. He's saying, be obedient to God. Evil's real. It's out there. It takes no prisoners. The message version of this particular scripture says this, don't lazily slip back into those old grooves of evil doing just what you feel like doing. You didn't know any better then, you do now. Sometimes it's really good to have a safe place to confess when you've taken a bad path or made a bad choice. We're human. It's going to happen. But recognizing it and returning to the Lord is key. Talking through life in the confidentiality of those triad or quad relationships. Praying together. It's a great way to build up a defense system against the reality of the evil one. Peter also says, be holy, live holy lives. That sounds scary because we know that only God is holy, but God's telling us, be holy because I'm holy. And what does holy mean? Well, holy means to be set apart, special. William Barclay, uh, in his commentary on 1 Peter, uh, alleges that the, uh, the root word for holy is the same as the root word for different. The temple was holy because it was different from all other buildings. The Sabbath was holy because it was different than all other days. And so as Christians, we're holy because we are ideally different from other people. We have this treasure. And if we show it, if we live it, others will notice. If you spent the season of Lent with us, then you can probably identify with the notion of being on an intentional journey toward Christ-likeness, an intentional journey toward holiness. And Peter says, love each other deeply. After Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples, he said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Peter would have heard this from Jesus firsthand. In fact, in Peter's second letter, he points out 
We did not follow cleverly invented stories when we told you about the power of, and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. Eyewitnesses. Peter's speaking from the authority of having been there. A genuine love is hard to fake, hard to miss. Jesus wasn't speaking of some erotic sort of love, but rather that agape, unconditional kind of love. It's that sacrificial kind of love that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians. Uh, And from the message, it sounds like this. Love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut, doesn't have a swelled head, doesn't force itself on others, isn't always me first doesn't fly off the handle, doesn't keep the score of sins of others, doesn't revel when others grovel, takes pleasure in the flowering of the truth, puts up with anything, trusts God always, always looks for the best, never looks back, but keeps going to the end. Love each other deeply. The world will know that you belong to God if you do this. The treasure can make it happen. They'll wonder what's up. And they'll begin to ask questions. Peter also says, the word of the Lord is essential. Got to know what the word of the Lord is. And he quotes Isaiah saying, all men are like grass. All their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands Forever, yes. The word of, a God, of God is essential. And I'd like to borrow another image offered to us by Alistair Brown uh, last week. He said, I can tell you that it's good to know how to cook. It's a good thing. And if we were going for a drive, I would tell you it's important to wear your seatbelt. But if you're going to try skydiving... It's downright essential to have a parachute. Some things are good, some things are important, and some things are essential. Knowing Jesus is not just good, it's not just important. Knowing Jesus is essential through all generations, in all the world. It's for that very reason that as a community of faith, We've been on a journey through the Bible from cover to cover together discovering God's storyline. See how it interacts and intermingles with our own stories and how they connect and wrap around each other. So into all the world and and through all generations both speak of telling the good news of Jesus. And these two spheres encompass how we communicate to those out there who have yet to encounter this good news, as well as right here among us, from the very youngest of our nursery to those kids who are even now over there climbing all over the Discovery Center, right onto those of us who may feel that their time for a, a God moment has passed. And I'm not so sure that the method of telling needs to be so dramatically different for each sphere here in our suburban setting. If you look at the list that Peter gave us, he seems to be calling us not into a set of beliefs, not into a Sunday morning exercise, but rather into 
a way of life, an intentional journey, an intentional journey toward Christ's likeness. Paul refers to that in Romans 12 as, as living our lives as acts of worship. We're spending every moment of every day worshiping God with everything we do and everything we say, then the treasure becomes obvious. If we're a community of faith living into Christ's likeness rather than simply following a set of beliefs, then our lives by their very living will teach and inspire our children, encourage each other along our way, and intrigue those who do not yet believe. In fact, Peter addresses this in, uh, a little farther along in chapter 3. He says, But in your hearts set Christ apart as Lord. Live into the journey. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And everyone who asks doesn't mean only into all the world. You may find that the question comes from the through all generations place. Regardless, as we become a community that strives for a way of life that brings us closer to Christ-likeness, we'll find that the Lord does indeed build the house and that the laborers do not labor in vain, but rather labor for the glory of God who can, gives us a treasure that will never perish, spoil, or fade. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you this day that you have implanted in us a treasure and that you consider each of us your treasure. And so we pray, Lord, that as we go from this place out into our everyday walking around lives, that you would fill us with your spirit, that we might live in such a way and love in such a way that others will know that we belong to you and that would be contagious. We pray in Jesus' name.